Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, madam. Have you heard of gentleman by the name of Bart Herset? You have? That's great. Well, right now you can get a 57 minutes audio titled Trumpet Lessons with Adolf Herset for free. Just go to lessonswithbud.com to learn more. is one of the most highly sought-after and respected lead trumpet players uh, out there. And he's located in Los Angeles area, but actually he's doing this interview in Escondido, California. He's visiting his mother. So thank you, Larry, for taking some time out of visiting your mom to be on the podcast. So this podcast is all about performance, performance anxiety, really uh, defeating and really maximizing our own potential as musical performers. So the way that I like to start out each interview is not necessarily on a high note, but on what you consider to be a time where things just didn't go where you wanted them to go, or you, you uh, is a moment where you thought you had it, everything put together, and the showtime comes, and it just didn't go the way that you thought. Can you think of a story like that? I would have to reach back to maybe 19, 20 years old. Um, I decided to change a mouthpiece. Mm. And then I was being a featured soloist in my father's church. Mm. And uh, I, I'm no ill dispersion on the 13A4A. It was a great mouthpiece. For whatever reason, maybe the larger 26 drilled throat or whatever, I had a, a real bad kickback on it. and um, I tried to play a solo in my father's church in front of several hundred people in the town. And uh, I couldn't make it halfway through the piece. Oh, my. Um, uh, suddenly, my lips just collapsed. So how did I deal with that? Well, you know, there's, it's, with all the hours and hours of practice that I had put into the horn at that point, I really felt that my trumpet had let me down, that I'd let myself down. And so I slammed my horn down. I grabbed it and I walked out of the church and, and I marched myself the five miles home. I was so upset. <laughs> Today, I deal with it a little bit differently than that. But that was probably the worst moment in my career, of my early young career. I was so humiliated and so let down. The problem with the trumpet is that no matter how good a musician we are, the physical Im uh, impediments to playing, if the physical aspect of playing is not happening, we can't get the music out of our bodies. No matter how much we've studied, no, much, uh, no matter how much we know the style or understand intonation or understand how music should flow, if we don't have the chops to 
produce the tone, we are nothing, and we can mm. sound like rank beginners. So we, you know, that's why trumpet players are notorious for calling themselves slaves to the instrument. We always have to practice over and over again every single day certain rudimental, fundamental uh, aspects of playing in order that we, we remain sharp. Otherwise, we could very easily, no matter what stage of the game we were at, make a fool out of ourselves. Yeah. What was the difference between the mouthpiece that you were playing and the new one that you tried? I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think I was on a Bill Chase jet tone which was back in those days, I wanted to sound like Bill Chase. You've got to remember, this was the 1970s. So Bill Chase was all the raging thing, and I wanted to sound like Bill Chase. (laughs) So I went to the Mike Vax uh, 13A4A because I thought it was a better sound, but unfortunately I didn't make the change. I didn't wait long enough to uh, on the change to... Before I made that performance, I wasn't used to it. Well, yeah, so. not everyone listening to this is a trumpet player. So very briefly, if you just change the, the just the size of the cup of, of the mouthpiece, it can make a huge difference in how your body responds to it. And if you're, you're not used to it, it, it usually takes a little while to um, allow your body to get accustomed to a new, a new mouthpiece. So um, looking back at that experience, if there's one thing that you could have done differently, aside from the obvious of don't play a, 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 mouth, a mouthpiece that you're not used to for a performance, what do you think you would do differently? Well, the way I handle it today, hmm. I would have handled it like I would handle it today. Okay. I mean, there are times when I'm not on, on 100%. But the actual fact is, is they, the audience enjoyed my performance. Mm. I didn't know it. You right. know, it wasn't up to my specs or, or, or to my expectations. But, you know, I, I should have been more gracious about it. Just just put my horn down, smiled, and gone on with my day. Right. Um, that's the way to handle it. I mean, as long as you're giving your very best at any given time and mm. you've done your, your best to prepare and you've done everything you can do to make a good performance – there's no reason to feel guilty or bad or about the fact that you maybe cracked a few notes or missed a few notes or, mm. you know, I, I think I remember it worse than it really was. Mm. Uh, so how I handled it then as a new professional or as a young trumpet player was a lot different than I would handle it today. Today, right. I would just laugh it off, <laughs> but I internalized it back then. Boy, did I get mad. Like I said, I stopped all the way home. Five miles home, beat my folks home after church. <laughs> it seems to me there was maybe maybe some slight ego issues that, well, <laughs> that, that you had to work through. That happens to a lot of young players. Right. I don't know if it was ego or if it was just I was so very disappointed in myself oh, okay. because I tried so hard. You know, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And practiced. Huh. And I, you know, several hours a day, and I, I was upset. But today, if something like that occurs. You realize that you know your best is still, or your worst is still going to be at a level that is acceptable, hmm. and you just relax and it happens. I don't collect your check and go, <laughs> <laughs> you know? but it does happen. I mean, you'll right. split a note there. You might miss an entrance. the The biggest advice in such a situation is is when you're not feeling well and you're not up to spec, up to par. Hide what you cannot do. 
hide what you can't do. Let them think you can do it. You don't have to show them if it's not written. You know, um, sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves, and sometimes we want to sound like Maynard Ferguson when we all we've got in us is uh, is Herb Alford. Uh, excuse me, I'd, I'd love to sound like Herb Alford all the time, but I'm saying you get the difference. Yeah, totally different styles, totally different approach Absolutely. to trumpet play. Um, what is the highest profile gig you've ever done? The highest profile gig I've ever done? Well, yeah. there's several of them. Okay. It's hard for me to, to pick one out. Okay. Pick a few. Pick a few. Topic, since this topic is on perform, uh, performance of anxiety and such, uh, let's go back to 1980. And I was, uh, at the time I was working at Disneyland, and I was chosen to be the lead trumpet player of um, the Disney show that, that was part of the celebration for the 25th anniversary of Disneyland. And we took it to New York City at the United, uh, at the Lincoln Center with the United Nations delegates. This is not the highest profile, but it's certainly one, um, one good example. I got so nervous. Here I am sitting with the top guys in Broadway. And the entire United Nations delegates at the Lincoln Center in black tie. I'm 23 years old. I got so nervous that I, my mouth was getting dry. You know, mm. and that's what happened to me in those days. My mouth would dry up. So I drank a whole bunch of iced tea before the show. And I just thought, well, that'll cure the fact that I won't get dry mouth. Well, fortunately for me, the show didn't last that long. I don't think it was any more than 35 minutes. Um, I nailed it. But I tell you what, I don't think I'd had to, I've never had to go uh, to the bathroom battered uh, worse than that. <laughs> it was very painful. But <laughs> anyway, uh, Marky Markowitz was on that. And I guess I nailed it because after the show, he came up to me and he said, um, Larry, I'd like you to move to town right away. I'll put you to work on Broadway. I'm just this young kid, 23 years old, scared to death of Big Apple. I often wondered how my career would have ended up if I'd taken that offer. Hmm. But as it was, I was at that time working quite often at Disney, and I didn't need another job, and uh, the city scared me, so I didn't move. Um, I don't know how we're, how we're doing on time. Let me tell you about one other high-profile gig in New York City. It was on. Uh, it was for the opening of Pocahontas, and I was part of the warming up, uh, the opening up cer uh, uh, ceremony there, and they had several acts on. And I was there with a rock and roll band from Walt Disney World called Frankie and the West End Boys. Well, there was 450,000 people in, in attendance at this live concert. I didn't have any problem with it. I was having fun. By this time, no dry mouth. I was just going to go out there and have a good time, which I did. You know, people were swaying to the music and, and clapping and cheering. And I go out front and I play a jazz solo on Cantaloupe. Well, I was fine. I was having fun until I looked over my left-hand shoulder. And I saw Wayne Bergeron looking at me, staring at me. Well, Wayne was somebody I worked with before. And, and uh, at the time, he was. this was early in his career, and he was the lead trumpet player of the Disneyland band. In fact, he took my place there. And uh, so that didn't bother me too much. It was a little bit unnerving. But I looked over my right shoulder. And there stood Arturo Sandoval, staring at me. I suddenly started shaking in my boots. 
So the people didn't bother me, but the high profile of 450,000 people didn't bother me. But those two did. <laughs> Interesting how that goes. <laughs> what what do you think is the difference between you're playing in front of 450,000 people and you have no problem aside from a couple of high profile uh, peers that you that you know and aside from that but other other than that you're fine but then what do you think the difference is between that and playing at your dad's church where you fell apart well i was 18 19 years old during the day when i fell apart mm-hmm. and by the time i'd done the gig in new york city i was 23 years old i'd grown a bit had a lot more experience by the time i played in new york city and on the great lawn i was probably in my 40s and as you grow as a professional musician, you learn to just adapt this mindset that you're basically as comfortable as you are in your own living room. It doesn't matter who you're playing with. I would, in the 1980s, I was one of the trumpet players in the, in the television uh, orchestra, the PTL show with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. And every day I would have to kind of remind myself uh, because we were so comfortable on uh, the bandstand, I kind of have to remind myself that at the end of my microphone were as many as 68 million people per day listening. 68 million on a live television cast. There's no taking back a clan. And because I was so, it can work backwards on you. You can get too comfortable and lose that edge. It's good to have a little bit of edge, a little bit of stage fright, a little bit of uh, motivation to keep you concentrating and going on. Um, that, that, that's an important thing. And sometimes we would get a little bit too lax because we'd have a great time and be laughing all the way up till the downbeat. And the floor producer would say, five, four, three, two, one, bam. You better play that note correctly or, you know, you're, you're sending a clam hurt around the world. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, at the same time, stage fright can work against you, but a, a little bit of edge works for you. All right. So, balance, isn't it? It's just a matter of um, making those nerves work for you rather than against you. Absolutely. A mm. little bit of, of nervous, really good for you. Yeah. Because you're on edge, you're concentrating, you're ready to go. It's, you know, the worst thing you want to do is be in a situation like that and be kind of lethargic or eh, no big deal. You know. And it does happen to us as professionals, you know, day after day after day after day after day of live performance in front of 68 million people. It's easy to get lackadaisical and, and to relax to the point that you're not concentrating. And that's the key concentration. Well, we're about to concentrate on the hot seat segment right after we take a moment to thank our sponsor. Larry, you are now on the hot seat. Do you think you can stand the heat? I think I can. It's five minutes before you go on stage for an important performance. What are you doing? Important uh, performance. I mean, there's several, every performance I do is important to me. It depends on the, what I'm doing. If it's like a Broadway show or if it's a entertainer whose book I'm not familiar with, I'm looking at the book. I'm looking ahead. What am I going to play in the next half hour? Where are the key changes? What are the tempo changes? What are, are there any cuts in the music? 
Um, what do I have to do to pace myself so that I can make that high G on the end of this tune? All these questions are going through my mind as I look through that music. I'm uh, Five minutes prior, one of the first things I'm going to do is do an instrument inventory. Do I have my mutes in line? Have I oiled my valves? Is my instrument working correctly? Do I have the right mouthpiece in? Uh, uh, you know, I, I'll take a quick inventory and make sure that that's all there and I'm ready to go. Um, is my horn warm? Is it going to be flat because it's too cold in the room? Have I blown enough air through it to make sure that it's warm? But most importantly, I think what's what's good is the mental preparation. And really, you know, five minutes prior to a show, you can rehearse the entire show within your in your mind by flipping through the pages and taking the time to look through it all to make sure that it's the music's in order. That's a big one. Um, as a musical director uh, for many years at C, you know, sometimes you'd get a musician who thought he'd try and trip me up, put my music out of order. That happened once or twice. So I, it became a habit to go as part of my musical inventory to go through the show order and make sure that it's all there. Um, as a musical director, you have you have double problems. You have to worry about the cues. Does the guest entertainer, when does he want that music? When does he want that downbeat throne? We'll give you a verbal cue. Write those in. So I'll be looking over all of that. I'll be looking over the metronome markings. You know, every aspect of musical performance that is written on the music, I'm going to be reviewing prior to playing. And that's my five or even ten minutes prior to playing. So that matches it in a nutshell. Very nice. What is the best performance-related advice you've ever received? Think before you stink. Think before you stink. That's nice and <laughs> nice and compact. Can you share one tip for our listeners to help deal with stage fright? You know, it's something that I struggled with for a long time, and it's something that we all struggle with. I mean, it's not a natural thing to have to perform at a high level in front of tens of thousands of people or even a hundred people. Sometimes it's even worse for, with 10 than it is for a hundred people. Um, the best thing I can do is say, if you're a bit nervous, relax. Maybe a little bit of meditation. In my case, I pray. They call it luck when opportunity meets preparedness. And if you're prepared you know that you're not going to clam. You have confidence that your chops are in order. You have confidence that you're going to play everything you need to play on the uh, the part that, that is required at a high level of musicianship because you've prepared for it. I tell you what, if I haven't practiced for a week and I go into a major performance, I'm going to get nervous at my age. I'll be 61 next month. I'm going to get nervous. I'm going to get stage fright. But because I know I've got my guns in order and I've got my guns loaded and ready to go because I've prepared myself, I have the confidence to know that it's okay. It's going to happen. Not a problem. I can do this. Hmm. All right. This is the final question of the hot seat and of the interview, but it is a doozy. Imagine that you're on stage and this could be real. It could be made up in your mind. It really doesn't matter. But it's the end of the performance. The audience is on its feet. They are giving you a standing ovation, you or your band. They don't want any more, and they don't want any less. Everything is absolutely perfect. What have you just done? 
Give us details, venue, repertoire, who you're playing with. Just lay it out there. Well, I'm very fortunate in that I can pull from my history multitudes of times where this has been the case. Not necessarily because of my own performance, but a performance as a team with groups like Truth, the Bill Gates, the Trio. I would say one of the most poignant memories I have in my career was a Latin weekend at Disneyland. And Celia Cruz was there. And my best friend at the time was Greg Preckle, who's not a, a, a great writer in the Hollywood scene. Um, he and I were playing a trumpet battle on a, on a, a, a Latin jazz thing, like a cumbia. And we just went back at it. Celia Cruz says, trompetas. There's about 15,000 people in the audience, maybe 20. I don't remember. But we finished that, that chorus, just kept answering each other. It was a real battle. We ended up on a double high D in unison together. And sp spontaneously, the entire crowd stood up on their feet and yelled and cheered. I think that was one of the greatest feelings I ever had playing the trumpet, to know that that many people appreciated what we did. I knew I'd done good. I knew the audience had enjoyed it. Um, that was a special moment. Thank God I've had several special moments, but that was a good one. Man, that's a great story. Well, Larry, we're about to uh, part ways, but uh, before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to share how we can find you on the on the web. Maybe you have a little parting piece of guidance, and then we'll say goodbye. My website is www.trumpetlegacy.com. It's the same uh, name as the book I wrote on the trumpet, A Trumpet Legacy which is the methodology that uh, combines the work of all my mentors, which Roy Stevens, uh, Carmine Caruso, Claude Gordon, Harold Pappy Mitchell, um, and Cat Anderson, combines all their methodologies into one, takes the fine line of, of truth throughout all of their methodologies and applies it. So www.trumpetlegacy.com. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Are you a true listener? Visit TrumpetDynamics.com to learn more about the show and subscribe to my email newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook, where we record a live Pay It Forward Friday episode each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just type in James Newcomb on Trumpet.com into your browser to find the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon. You're still here. You must like this show or something. Well, I've got a special offer for you for hanging in there to the very end and proving yourself to be a true listener. I have a brand new, and it is exclusive for devoted fans of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. It is called The Secret Chamber of Don Clarino. It's brand new. I don't even know what's going to come of it. I'm honestly not even really involved in it, but I'm contractually obligated to tell you about it as an employee of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. So if you want to learn more about it, here's the URL, 
trumpetdynamics.live forward slash dc trumpetdynamics.live forward slash dc is a short registration process and you'll be in there okay i don't know if i'm even allowed to be in there honestly but check it out see if you like it later <laughs>